And I feel like we're picking up the pieces a little bit. I mean, it doesn't feel like that. I think I posted something on Facebook this week and about, you know, what are you struggling with spiritually? Got a lot of good responses from you all. Um, the general themes of disconnection, uh, loneliness, feeling a disconnection from the Lord, um, a, a foreignness to Scripture, having a hard time connecting in a life of prayer. Um, this is not just the things that you guys said online, it's what you said offline as well. And uh, there's just a feeling that like the church needs to pick up the pieces a little bit of what our faith is, what it means to be a, a Christian. And so for the next uh, seven, eight weeks or so, we're going to be talking about that. We're going to um, begin today by talking about assurance of salvation and, and confidence that you are a Christian. And we're going to kind of continue in that theme of the internal life of God for the next couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to talk about love as being the most essential thing as being a Christian um, and just basics. We're picking up the pieces um, and then and then maybe talking about what faithfulness means. And then we're going to go into a series called uh, Beyond Surviving, where we just learn again together what it's going to look like in this post-COVID world to be a, fa a faithful follower of Jesus and, and pick up some of those pieces and just kind of say, how do we read the Bible again? Uh, how do we pray to God? How do we make sure that we have a marriage um, or a family life that is honoring to him? Because the feeling is... That, that everything is kind of worse than it was before. And everything has been taken to a level 10 that was maybe at a level 5 before. Um, I'm just sensing that from everywhere. If you, if you were struggling before, you're struggling more now, and all of us were struggling. So if you were struggling with connecting with the Lord, then it's even harder now. Uh, if you were struggling with anger, maybe you're more angry now or grumpy now. Uh, maybe if, you're, if your marriage was on the rocks, then, then maybe uh, it's, now, it's now at a, le a level beyond that. COVID has made everything worse, in a sense. And we've, in a sense, been trying to survive this. And the question then comes, well, what happens beyond just surviving? How do we actually turn back towards a thriving position where we're actually doing the things that God has commanded us to do, living the life that that he wants us to live. And so um, it's not really a series so much as just some basics that we're going to be pursuing for the next few weeks, and then we'll start that other uh, series. And so we're going to begin today with one of the most famous chapters in all of Scripture, Romans 8. I want to talk about the confidence that we should have as Christians that God loves us and cares for us, because I sense in myself and in you all that we need this. We have very little confidence in the goodness of God or our experience of Him. Romans 8, verse 31 says this, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution 
or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. So as I said, we're going to be diving into this topic of, the, of confidence in the Christian life this morning. And I just want you to see the context, first of all, what Paul is experiencing. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? These are things that the Apostle Paul experienced. All of them. These are perhaps some of the things that are going on in his context right now. And the root Greek word there for all of those things is COVID-19. No. (laughs) Obviously not. But that is like, that's where we are, right? Paul found himself in tribulation and distress and persecution. We find ourselves in this time. It's not even, though, to be honest, comparable to what the Apostle Paul experienced. Nothing is comparable to what the Apostle Paul experienced in terms of persecution. He brags about it in 2 Corinthians 11. All right? And when he says, if I was going to boast, I would boast like this. But I'm not going to, you know, which is kind of one of those ways to actually kind of boast. But this is what he said. You know, in 2 Corinthians 11, he said, you know, I, I went through hard labor. I went through imprisonments. I have been beaten countless times, often near death, five times, I received the 40 lashes. That's the Jewish punishment of the rock and bone whip. The 40 lashes. Actually, 39 plus 1. And then, so he received that five times. Some people died from one time. Paul received it five times. Three times I was beaten with rods, he says. Once I was stoned. Three times shipwrecked adrift at sea. Uh, I've faced rivers. I've faced robbers, he says. Gentiles want to kill me. Jews want to kill me. Hunger, thirst, exposure to the elements. And then he says, on top of all of that, I'm a pastor. And I have this burden for all the churches that I've started. And I'm seeing all, not just my own sufferings, but the sufferings of others. And so it's just overwhelming the amount of things that he went through. Now, he mentions all those things, and knowing that that is his backdrop, what does he then say about his outlook on life? Verse 37, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And then he begins this chain of confidence that nothing can take away the love of God in Christ Jesus. That's what Paul says, more than conquering. I mean, can you imagine Paul being in one of our small groups right now? And everybody's saying, how you struggling, you know? How you doing? Everybody's like, I'm really struggling. I'm really struggling. And Paul's like, more than conquering. That would be the description of my Christian walk right now. I mean, there's conquering that's like completely dominating. And there's more than that, which is what I'm doing. I'm more than conquering. I think we would want to kind of punch Paul in the face. You know, Paul, why, why are you being so inauthentic in our small groups? 
where does the confidence that he has come from? Because it seems to me that the confidence is the exact thing that we feel like we don't have right now. It's the last thing that we feel. Many of the questions that are asked here run alongside our questions. Who, who's against us? Who, who will bring a charge? Is God for me or is He against me? And I think that it's easy for us when we are rightfully so responding to circumstances around us like we, the season that we've been in. And it's totally right that we respond that way. And it's totally right to feel burdened by that. Please don't hear me say that you have to put a smile on your face when there's real burdens going on. That's not at all what I'm saying. I'm saying there's something underlying Paul. There's a current here. And that current is found by bringing the focus off of his circumstances and off of himself. Because if he looked at himself, he would see despair. Because he was the chief of sinners. He said so himself. If he looked at himself and he saw how well he was doing on the outside, he would struggle. But if he, if he looked at his circumstances, five times the 40 lashes, all these things that he received, he certainly would despair. But his shift is this Godward look in Romans chapter 8. And it's a place for us to look as well. Here's my point this morning. Christian confidence does not come from a focus on self or circumstances, but rather a focus on God. Christian confidence does not come from a focus on self or circumstances, but rather a focus on God. Paul relentlessly moves our attention off of what's going on here to what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. We need to see first the way that Paul structures this. We need to see who's against us, and then we need to see who is for us. So we're going to look at both of those things. Look at who is against you. There's five questions here that are asked that we need to look at. The five questions beginning in verse 31. If God is for us, who can be against us? Question number two. How will He not give us all things? Is there some way that he wouldn't, that he would jip us of the things that, that matter the most? Third question is, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Verse 33. Verse 34, who is to condemn? Verse 35, who shall separate us? These are the questions of despair. These are the questions of who is against us. We're to ask this question honestly. Who is against us? And we'll get several things that we might think would be against us. And the first one is this, ourselves. The self. Who brings a charge against God's elect? For many of us, the answer to that question is, I do. I bring a charge against myself. When I look at my life and I look at the way that things should be and I look at my circumstances, I think I wish that I was better than I am. I wish that I had done better and that I was a different person. I remember, I don't know if you remember that movie, Liar, Liar, from the 90s. Uh, Jim Carrey, and I haven't seen it in years, but I do remember this one scene. I was thinking about it this week. If you remember the premise of the show, he's, he's, he's a lawyer who, there's some magic spell that takes hold of him, and he can't lie for a while. He can't lie to anyone. And so everything he has, says has to be the truth. And yet he's known for being a liar. And, and he has this moment when he's in a courtroom. And 
Um, and he's, he's realizing what a jerk he's been and how much his life is just horrible and how, what a f- horrible father he's been. And he's starting to get it. He's starting to get this kind of self-introspection going. And he, he gets himself worked up in court. And, uh, and the, the judge is getting upset with him. And the judge says to him, Calm down, young man, or I will hold you in contempt. Like in contempt of court. And Jim Carrey screams at him. He's like, I hold myself in contempt. Why should you be any different? And then he gets tossed out of the, the courtroom. I was just... That just came to me this week. I was looking at this passage. I was like, isn't that the reaction that many of us have in our hearts? And we think, like, I hold myself in contempt. Why should the judge of all the earth be any different? Certainly, I know myself better than any other person. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Who is there to condemn? I can think of plenty of reasons why I should be condemned. And I'm pretty sure that God knows all those as well. And so if I know them and God knows them, then it's pretty obvious what the answer to those questions are. I will do it. I hold myself in contempt. Why should God be any different? Is that a valid answer to those questions? Who shall bring a charge? Is it myself? Is it my own heart? And then Paul of course, is going to say no. And he focuses us back on God. Another really comforting passage, one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture is 1 John 3, 19-20, which says this, By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before Him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. And He knows everything. I love that He added that. It's not like he forgot something that you're thinking of. Everything that you're thinking of, he knows. When you look at yourself and you condemn yourself, God already knows all those things. And John tells us God is greater than your heart. How often the lack of assurance and confidence creeps into us because we think we know something and we we think we should be a better judge than God is. However big the voice of your own heart is against you, God is greater than that voice. It's not sorrow or perfection or a turning towards Him even that brings justification because this is what Paul says here. It is God who justifies. Verse 33, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It's not your own heart whether it's good or bad, that brings justification. It's God who justifies. He relentlessly pushes us back towards Himself. Here's a second answer to that question. Who's against us? Satan. You can think of self, Satan, and circumstances. It's less prominent here as it is in other parts of Paul's writings, but truly here he means partly the things that stand against us is the accuser himself. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Well, how about the great accuser from of old? And all those who are in his service, the enemy, the powers and authorities. Look at verse 38. Nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers. He's talking about the powers of this present world. What he also talks about in Ephesians chapter 6. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood 
but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This is who we wrestle with. Not just ourselves, not just the condemnation of our own hearts, but that condemnation is amplified by the enemy and by those who are in his service. Powerful voices whisper, you aren't enough, you never have been. Remember what you said, remember what you did, remember who you are, remember how you don't care. Self, Satan, circumstances. That's the third thing that could be a possible obstruction to us knowing that we are confidently in with our life of God. He lists his circumstances, verse 35. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. We could go on here. Global pandemics, financial struggles, quarantining, all that that comes from that. All those circumstances that Paul mentions that are in the same as ours or worse than ours, how could someone look at those circumstances and say, through all that, I'm more than conquering? There seems to be always something that is willing to deflate us and move that confidence out, flatten it. Um, a few years ago, I, I got my son uh, a bike, and he rode it for months and months, and it was fine. And then the tire went flat like they typically do. And I replaced the tube. And then a couple of days later, it was flat again. And I thought, well, that's strange. And so I examined the, the tire and, and, and I thought, well, maybe there's a manufacturing error. So I went back and got another tube and put it back in. And then it got flat again. And it went on like that. I put four tubes in there. I'm like, okay, this is it. I've already almost bought him another bike by buying these tubes. So if this one doesn't work, then I'm going to, you know, have to buy him a new bike. And I, look, I examined it one more time, and then I found the tiniest, I mean, the smallest nail I've ever seen in my life was stuck in that tire. And it was just in there, just barely sticking out. But the moment that you pumped that up and you pressed that inner tube against that, even the smallest thing let out all the air, and I couldn't see it. And I finally saw it. I mean, tiny, like the size of one of those little screws that goes in your eyeglasses. It was so small. And I think that's a picture of our our confidence in Christ because we get pumped up. Oh yeah, this was a good sermon. Um, Hit my devotional three days in a row. Whatever it may be. And and there's always something there, something small or something big that takes the air out. It can be self, Satan, or circumstances. It can be the fact that you have an addiction or a past sin that haunts you. It's just, whenever you pump up a little bit, it just deflates because it's there and you know it's there. It could be not your sin at all, but a depression that has gripped you. 
maybe you've always had it, maybe it gets better or worse, but it just, the moment that you start feeling alive in Christ, it just, it grips you. You know where it comes from, it's a circumstance that is outside of your control and it just deflates you and brings you back down. It could be the moment some of us are bigger targets than others for spiritual attack. And the moment we start feeling like things are going well, it just feels like someone's there to, to say something or leave a comment somewhere or to say something you overhear and it just deflates and you just realize that the enemy seems to be at work in my life and it's just, I can't ever seem to get that, that sense of solidity and confidence. Whenever you start to get it, the air goes out. Friends, as long as we're looking at those things for our confidence, we can, have, we can be pretty sure that there's not going to be any air in the tire. That's what Paul's saying. There is always a reason for yourself. There is always a circumstance that you're experiencing because, because life is, is hard and there's so many things going on in the world and if you don't have something currently or right now, just go to a friend who's, who's struggling and, and empathize with them and see there's always circumstances going on. There's always sin going on. These things are always true. Maybe there isn't always global pandemics, but there's always suffering somewhere. Christian confidence does not come from a focus on self or circumstance, but rather a focus on God. And so in a sense, we need to forget everything I just said because the questions that Paul asks, who will bring a charge? Who is there to condemn? Are rhetorical questions. He doesn't mean for us to answer them with, I've got a few reasons why God should be against me. He means for us to answer what he answers in verse 37. No. They're all questions that expect a negative answer. Shall self, shall circumstance, shall Satan, powers, condemn us? No. Of course they will try. Of course we are opposed. Of course there are enemies of God. But the promise of this is this passage is that we're already conquering those things, and he already has. And so we need to look not at who is for us, not at who is against us, but who is for us. And that's where I want us to see next. Look at who is for you. You got three things working for you. First, the plan of God. This was not in the passage that I read. It's the two verses before that. Very famous verses, but they provide the context for what we just read. This is called the golden chain of God's faithfulness to us. Verse 29. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. This is the golden chain of God's faithfulness from eternity past to eternity future. This is something that is unbreakable. This is the plan of God for us in Christ Jesus. 
And so that leads to the next passage, what we were talking about today. The confidence that should come comes not from ourselves or our circumstances or our ability to push back against the forces of evil in this world, but because of what God has already secured for us. That He foreknew us. That He predestined. That He called. That He justifies. And that He is glorifying and will glorify. It's rooted not in ourselves or anything to do with us, but with God's plan for us. From start to finish, it was planned and executed by Him. It has nothing to do with us in that sense. It has everything for us. It's our, our plan, our future, but it's something that He secured for us. And so nothing, not you, of course not you, but definitely not circumstances or even the evil one can break the golden chain of God's plan. You have the plan of God secured. Number two, you have the character of God. Look at verse 32. He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? The character of God is that He's given us His Son, Jesus Christ. The phrasing there is the same as Abraham, who who was willing to give His Son, but then God said no, and provided a different way. But that different way, ultimately we see in the unfolding of Scripture, is Jesus Christ Himself, God's own Son. That He did not spare, but gave Him up. And so look at Paul's logic. It's a logic of confidence. If He did that, why is He going to let a pandemic destroy your faith? Why is He going to let these other circumstances do something against you? He's already done the hardest thing that He could do. And so the easier things He will be of course willing to do to secure for us the confidence that He loves us. Plan of God, the character of God, the work of Christ. Verse 34. Who is to condemn? Rhetorical question. No one. Why? Because Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who, is, who indeed is interceding for us. The work of Christ. The greatest act of sacrificial love has been done on our behalf. Not only His death, but His resurrection, which gives power. He has life over the grave, power over the grave. And not only that, He lives to intercede at the right hand of God. And so if Christ has done, if God has done this with Christ, and if Christ Himself has done the work, then the answer to those questions has to be no. Nothing can. Of course, the question that then comes into our mind is this. How do I know that the work of Christ is applied to me? How do I know that the golden chain of God's plan includes me? Again, in Romans 8, we see that everything works together for, those, for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. How do we know if we're called according to His purpose? That is synonymous in that verse with those who love God. Those who have turned towards God. It's not those who have overcome their self, even though that comes later in the Christian life. It's not those who have, uh, who have great circumstances. It's not even those who are able to fight the, the enemy. God does each of those things. God controls the circumstances. God defeats Satan. And God redeems the self. And so the only thing that is required is that we turn and look towards Him in faith 
and, 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 and love Him. And then these things apply to us. If you're worried that He will reject you, you're still looking at yourself or your circumstances rather than to Him. It's so hard for us to assume that we know the personality and the outlook of God and to, to put our own fears and situational things onto His perspective towards us. We do that with other people all the time. We assume things that people are thinking about us that they aren't true. And we do that with God. How does He feel about us? So, you know, when I, my kids were younger, um, I remember a Father's Day a few years ago where they were all bringing me Father's Day gifts and uh, they, they, uh, they went around the house and just grabbed random things off the shelf to bring me as gifts. If you guys remember that or not. Books I already owned, you know, trinkets here and there. And they just brought them, like, here are your gifts, Dad, you know? And I'll always remember that as a jerk. Like, you know, it's like, oh, what a horrible Father's Day. You brought me gifts I already own. Is that the way I remember it? No, I don't remember that like that at all. I remember the joy. I remember the, the excitement on their faces and the, the fact that they were doing something for me and they were doing something for me. I mean, I, I could have taken the air out of their tires, couldn't I? You know, I already own these kids. <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. Why would I do that? Why would I do that? I know that everything they have and everything they could give is from me. In fact, part of their dependence on me Part of my love for them is wrapped up in their dependence on me, isn't it? Does that make me a maniacal, power-central, <laughs> hungry kind of guy? No, it makes me a father. Because that's what fatherhood is. It, it's just a fact that, that we all need help. For 18-plus years, we need help to know how to live and how to be. And we can't function. We literally cannot function without that. And so, of course, it does not surprise me that they don't have the means with which to give something new to me. Friends, even though I'm a father right now, and some of you are fathers and mothers, that's not our ultimate primary identity. We are the sons and daughters in this scenario. And anything that we could possibly give, any obedience, any righteousness that we could bring to the Father is just pulling off the shelves of the home that he already made and bringing it to him. It's nothing new to him. He's not expecting something from you that, that he knows you can't give. The truth is, just like we came into this world dependent for 18 plus years, we come into this world completely dependent on him forever. Our very life breath, in, li- in him we live and move and have our being. We don't live outside of him and therefore Anything that we have, he already has. That's not the way that he sees the world. This lack, this imbalance that we need to correct. The way that he sees the world is as a father who knows the means or lack thereof of his children. And then graciously brings them in and delights in their joy in him. 
So why should you focus on your circumstances when He has preordained those circumstances for your glory, for your good and His glory? Why would you focus on yourself when He knows you better than yourself? These are things that we cannot bring to Him. The only thing that remains is that we submit ourselves as dependents that we really are. And that we acknowledge Him as the Father. See that our life is wrapped up in Him. And so for the ch- just to challenge us as we close here, the, the challenge is that we have to somehow to get into the mindset of what Paul is talking about here in Romans 8. To live out that. To begin to start to move out of this uh, barely surviving thing into a thriving. It has to begin with us saying, it's not me that's the ultimate end or my circumstances that happen to be going on right now. It's actually what God has already done for me. And so we lift our focus off of ourselves and we look to Him. That's why Scripture encourages us to look to Him so much. Look to Christ, author of Hebrews says, the author and perfecter of your faith. Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the hills where my help comes from. It's to get the focus off of what's going on around you or what's going on inside you and to see that He is doing things in the world. And when we do that consistently over and over again, we begin to get the confidence that, hey, it's not, I'm not losing. I'm not losing because I'm in Him and He in me. And He's already secured everything forever. And so then we are conquerors, not because of ourselves, but because of Him. Let's pray.